Warning. The following contains discussion of unemployment, bathroom indignity, and thriftiness gone wrong. Listener discretion is advised. Confessions of two men with nothing in common but an accent. I am James. And I am Matt. And no, that's not John Lees from the Off Panel Podcast coming to us. This is Matt Johnson speaking on his internal mic. Yes. Oh, yeah. My microphone, my my microphone, my laptop has a microphone and a webcam built in, as James discovered earlier, much to his horror, that the webcam is functional. I'm blind now. Well, that, that works. That'll make you a better podcaster. It was one of the. It was like one of the subliminal shots from The Exorcist. Just for a split second, I saw Matt's face staring at me. <laughs> there was like it, you should have been, you know, uh, clued up because it was like a little cigarette burn at the top of the corner, you know, just before you saw the penis. But it's minding my own business, and all of a sudden, Johnson, 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 killed the president. Is what I said real quick. I saw his wallpaper. This episode has been fraught with technical difficulties. And we haven't even started. How bad it is. We were discussing last month that you'd accidentally, well, accidentally, broken your microphone. I believe your brother did, were you saying? He'd stepped on it. Accidentally in the sense that he threw it down on the ground and looked me in the eye as he stepped on it. And licked his lips. He kept muttering, "Oh yeah. Your microphone, is what he said repeatedly. Fuck your microphone, Johnson. Fuck your microphone. That's how little my family respects me. They don't call me by my first name. <laughs> now, you had told me that you were going to be buying a new microphone at the family dollar. Yes, you know, I was going to go uptown to the Lincoln Mall. Yeah, put uh, on your monocle and your top hat and go down to the local family dollar. I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna make a day of it—a nice Sunday drive with my driving gloves and my scarf. And put on uh, your goggles. Hop into your jalopy. Here's the thing, though. I am a lazy shit. So <laughs> I was like, eh, I'll make it work with what I got. Is what I—I I, I, I slowly talked myself out of going, and so I didn't go. You went on Breaking Bad with it, and you wrote out the list for reasons you should go get a microphone, reasons you shouldn't. Yeah. For some reason, because murder is wrong was still on there, which I don't get. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to, you know, murder people's ear holes with the high-quality mic. That's what it was. They want them hearing your sexy, sexy voice. Exactly. The raw Matt Johnson. I have been known to drive a woman insane. But that wasn't really so much about my voice. It was just, you know, the constant death threats. Now, you don't know this, but every time... I'm talking on this show. You can just barely hear Matt crooning in the background. Moon, darling, love, Now, if you could actually hear that clearly, it would be way too distracting. Now you're starting to bring me back to my teeny popper days. Thank you. <laughs> I toured the country. As we established uh, 
last week, you know, I put out with three different albums. So I'm a big fan of your '80s jazz hit, "Traveling at the Speed of Six. Uh, my, my 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 favorite one from that album was, uh, you know, "Let's Make War, Not Love." That was my favorite one. That was the anti-protest song that I did. Even though it was the '80s, so it was weird. You know, it was really. It was, I was me just against you know the people who were against the Falkland Islands and Grenada. Those people are assholes. But yeah, I don't know. I need to come up with my fourth album. I have an idea. Uh, I had a name, but then Chinese democracy got taken by badass Axl Rose. But. Your duet with Cowboy Bob and the Sore Horseman of the Apocalypse was beautiful. Yes. Um, we, of course, covered Islands in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, which one person said it was a song. That was your blurb on the album, a song. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. Yeah, I think Peter Travers just gives out quotes. I mean, it's a blurb machine. But um, my, my, we're not here to discuss my past. Although sometimes we do discuss that. But that's neither here nor there nor in the past. I'm here to talk about the present or the near past. I don't know. I'm starting to confuse myself. <laughs> you heard it here first, listeners. Matt Johnson has become unstuck in time. <laughs> um, but you actually, it's kind of interesting. Uh, not interesting, it's fucked up. But it's <laughs> incidental. Or, I, don't, I wouldn't say ironic. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it is. We'll get to all the words eventually. There's so many words I could use to describe this, but I won't. I'll let you just tell me the situation. Speaking of poverty. And jobs, as the previous episode. And slavery, like the previous episode. No. Nature. I thought we were just mentioning names of episodes. <laughs> Genesis, Matt. <laughs> uh, speaking of whatever the hell we were just talking about. Last week, I was terminated from the Winn-Dixie Corporation. Now, when you say terminated, obviously, you don't mean killed. I mean that Arnold Schwarzenegger walked into my boss's office with a bouquet of roses, which was concealing a shotgun, and the T-1000 came in. They battled. We barely got away, and I'm not allowed to go in there anymore. Because apparently bringing machines from the future to work is frowned upon. You were just trying to be more efficient. I mean, those machines, they can stack some cans, all right? You, you know, you don't need price checks if you got those machines working the cashier register, you know? So, that happened. <laughs> apparently, I was unworthy of being a cashier at Winn-Dixie. I mean, they only accept the cream of the crop there. Yes, obviously, because you got a job there. You of no previous work experience or apparently governmental existence. The man who fell onto the grid. <laughs> the man who wrapped himself in the grid like a warm blanket. Exactly. Um, so, you were, of course, persona non grata. I, I've always wanted to use that word. <laughs> Forgive me for that. But what exactly did lead to the circumstances of your... Less than gainful employment, unemployment from there. I was the victim of a sinister conspiracy. Oh, no. Set up by Eternal Affairs at Winn-Dixie. Oh, no. Martin Sheen and Marky Mark got your ass? They did. But, yeah, apparently two weeks ago, 
they sent an undercover agent into my line Shit. to purchase some alcohol. Mm-hmm. And apparently I didn't card him. Uh-huh. Although, mm-hmm. this undercover agent for the Winn-Dixie Corporation was over the age of 30. Only our policy requires that we card everybody who looks under 40. Yeah. Uh, which I do. I, I mean, yeah, I think that... I'm giving it to you straight, kid. I think you did fuck up, but... Well, I did fuck up, yeah. And, you know, in your defense, too, uh, I've heard stories about it. They send in people who look 40, you know, or they look the appropriate age to mess with people. You know what I mean? That's, I, I do think it's bullshit. But, but yeah, I, I've acknowledged that I fucked up there. It, that was my own fault. I flew too close to the sun on wings of Budweiser. Careful, Icarus. So what's next for you now that you have... Uh, I want to say you're back at square one because now you have work experience and there is actual proof that you exist. <laughs> Which really helps. Always a good thing, no matter what you know people tell you. And I have character references now. So if I ended up in another awkward job interview and they're like, well, give us five examples of when you've gone above and beyond the call of duty, I can just call somebody up. Here, talk to them. I don't know myself. But what happens if someone says, what if a guy comes down your line, he looks like he's 40, but he's actually 30, and he wants to buy a beer? What will you do? I will go up to the person conducting the interview, punch them in the face, and run away crying. I would just imagine if you got, like, another cashier job. I, I said, you, you would card everybody. It doesn't matter. You know, Abe Vigoda could come in there. <laughs> they could take some ID. You would do IDs, Social Security numbers, uh... Cavity exam. I need to see their birth certificate. All right, you uh, you can buy the beer. Also, you might need to go to the doctor. I saw you got some lumps down there. That's not good. Just letting you know. So you could be serving beer and saving lives. The screwed up thing is I was like that, though. Cavity searches and all. Took my eye off the ball for one second and look what happened. And, like, you, you recalled this particular individual... I do not. Uh, so, so you must have sold a lot of booze to people without cards. <laughs> I was that, running a criminal empire. You were bootlegging out of Winn-Dixie. I had my hat. Yeah, they, I don't know. Was, yeah, I think they were the most suspicious you wore a fedora and Tommy gun to work. So, I kind of tipped them off. Everybody was wondering why I was always humming. You constantly talk about giving people the hi-hat no one understands. <laughs> what you meant look those blue noses were always giving me applesauce a ducky bear cat like me that was the bee's knees i gotta be honest with you it was the opposite of the bee's knees it was the moth's toenails (laughs) yeah so you're in the same boat as me now i guess but hopefully ah we're not alike you and i this This podcast is over (laughs) We're below the Bible. No more. But yeah, hopefully like me, you won't give up. Because that's where I started to get to a point where I just gave up, you know. To certain respects. Uh, I mean, giving up in job, giving up in life, giving up. James, this is the only thing that keeps me going. <laughs> if not for this, I would go out the Brooks Hadlin way from Shawshank Redemption. To be fair, during half of our podcast, you just give up halfway through. I do. This is a weekly podcast we do. 
I only get one usable episode a month. Uh, we use it most time. We get fifteen minutes in. Like ah, uh, not today, not today. So so far, my job search. Well, I say job search. I've been watching a lot of cartoons lately. <laughs> Always a good start. <laughs> because as soon as I was fired, Netflix decided to put up every show that has ever been on Cartoon Network. So that's been keeping me out of the black, swirling vortex of depression. Very much like Johnny Bravo, you do not give up, even when slapped by a honey mama. The honey mama known as employment. I'm confident. I believe in you. You're, unlike me, you actually have work ethic. And I mean, I edit one podcast a month. I have a serious work ethic. Yeah, I edit them live. That's how good I am. There's a five-second delay. <laughs> You're just talking and editing at the same time. It's, it's glorious. Like, because you know, I do a good job of cutting it out. But Mercedes has, uh, she has Tourette's. She says things like cheese and crackers, and gosh dang it, gosh dang it, gosh dang it. I even heard her say butthole once. It was horrifying. That's that's not how I choose to remember her. <laughs> so, poverty, James. Poverty, Matt. That's we should just do this for the next half hour. Just us repeating poverty. That's the episode. It, we stick to the title. It's like our protest. Poverty! 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 We submit the episode to Congress. Look at these poor men. <laughs> we die under mysterious circumstances. They pin our murder on a crazed Mercedes Mueller, but we know the truth. <laughs> but yeah, uh, poverty. We've all felt her velvet touch. Yes. And by velvet, I mean... That weird film you get when you're soaked in garbage water. Yeah. Poverty, unlike unemployment, is a mistress all too willing to take you in her arms and give you a nice garbage-smelling handjob. So a handjob? Yeah. <laughs> Any other handjob. You're right. But, uh, yes, um, both of us have had experiences with being poor. Um, I'll be honest, most of my experiences come later. I don't know if it's something that I thought about over the past few years. I don't know if it's something that has always been like this, or as I got older, I got a greater awareness of actually how bad it was. You know, have you ever been like that? Yeah, whenever you're a kid, like the world around you is just what the world is. You don't have anything to compare it to. So, sure, everybody has to wipe their ass with coffee filters sometimes. Yeah. That's just the way the world works. Everybody, everybody moves every couple of months. Everybody has had to, uh, you know, go without eating once a week, you know, around the day before payday, right? Well, what you're saying, you don't eat SpaghettiOs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner sometimes? The SpaghettiOs is too good for us. <laughs> we had to make our own SpaghettiOs. There's actually, a, a, I remember one time, I say one time, this was uh, about three years ago, we were... We didn't have any money, so like we were out of money like by Tuesday and had to wait till Thursday. And so what I did was I made myself food for me to eat the three days because like I was looking for stuff to eat, and the only thing I found that I could eat were uh, it was a pack of spaghetti noodles and like we had like a container of soy sauce. And so what I did was I boiled like the whole pack of noodles and put the soy sauce in, it, and I made like. I guess it's almost essentially homemade ramen, I guess is what you call it. That's how bad it was. I couldn't afford 
the 35 cent one. <laughs> but uh, Tuesday ate, I was like, damn, this is good. No, 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 no. You know, I ate it up. And then Wednesday, I was like, okay, this isn't bad. And then Wednesday night when I had it for dinner, I was eating it slowly. Like, I never want to eat this stuff. Again, if I do, I will puke. There is no way around it. And I thought about trying to eat it again, but I'm <laughs> my body may remember it. Yeah, improvised food loses its luster very quickly. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I'm being thrifty. I'm <laughs> like the pioneers. Like, <laughs> Look at me creating. There's a reason they all got dysentery. This is an alchemy of the kitchen. Yeah, I remember in certain situations where I had nobody to cook for me, I would sometimes cook for dinner macaroni and eggs. Just because those were the only things I knew how to cook. So, macaroni and cheese and a fried egg. That, that's not bad. Fancy. That's what I think that is. Compared to my noodles and soy sauce. I don't know, this is like, when it comes to like the food and stuff, that's, to me, that's the worst part of being poor. But like, my favorite part, <laughs> there is a favorite part, is, I've been in this situation many times where, like, in my truck or whatever, I don't know like, how much gas I exactly have. And I have, like, a destination I need to be. And, I don't know, there's just something I kind of, to me, it's like the closest I'll ever get to, like, fly an airplane or something, you know. It's like white knuckle driving, because I don't know if I have enough gas to make it, will I make it, you know. Like Thelma and Louise going over the cliff. Yeah, I think I get off on the, you know, thrill of nearly running out of gas. God, that sounds awful once I see it. (laughs) I think that's the only thing that gives you an erection is a little weird, though. But... Apparently, we're just, we curse each other because you lost your job. And then, like, the day after we recorded our last episode, the tire in my truck blew out. This podcast is haunted. Ah! In hindsight, I should have seen it coming because the truck was bouncing horribly for like a week. And, uh. You just thought it was hydraulics. I thought, like, there's a toolbox on the back of the truck. I thought maybe the toolbox was loose. And I tried, you know, tightening it and it didn't stop. It only made it worse. Um, so I did what a lot of people do, poor and rich. I ignored it. <laughs> it'll, it'll work itself out, and it did. Um, in the parking lot when I went to pick up my mother, the tire just poof. I've had a few tires blow out on me over the years, but this was like the most gentle blow I ever had because I parked the truck, and it was fine. It was still knocking and stuff, but then it, like the 30 seconds between me parking the truck and me pulling out, the tire blew. I don't know how. But I didn't even feel it. I didn't even know the tire was going out until I started pulling out. But uh, that was awful considering my truck, though, to wait till I was in a nice place. Held on for just long enough to make sure you were okay. That noble steed. What made me think about it was because the fact that getting two new tires for that truck, I got when he got two because the one on the right was bad. But new tires aren't cheap. Uh, you, of course, would know this, James. Yes, with all of my wondrous automobiles I own. You know, my drivers tell me of these things. I like to stay abreast of you know, what the ravel talks about. You just guffaw at them when they mention the high price of gasoline. <laughs> yeah, I paid good money for that laugh. The, like I said, those tires end up being, I think, $250 for two of them. With a lot of people, that shouldn't have been a problem because most people have contingency funds for things. You know, They have something put away. In case things go bad. And we did start a contingency fund a couple weeks ago uh, at the bank. And, of course, 
true to form, the contingency fund is a whopping $40. Who knows? Maybe we'll need 40 cheeseburgers from McDonald's. I'll have pizza for that night. That's what's important. Yes, exactly. We won't go hungry. We'll never go hungry again with that $40. But like I said, I don't know, like, I don't know if I was always like this. I don't think I was. I think what really, like, got bad was uh, in 2008, like, a lot of shit hit the fan. For everybody. For everybody, but, like, I was too, like, my father, his business went under. My mother lost her job, and the only job I had was a part-time job at the time, so. And then that they were unemployed for about a year and a half, both of them. Since my father was self-employed, like he couldn't get unemployment, uh, but my mom could. So we lived basically off unemployment and what little bit I made. But of course, you know, I'm pretty sure that as bad as my woes are, it's probably nothing compared to you. You probably got something up your sleeve that. Oh, oh, do I? Okay, I was seriously wondering if I was going to tell this story or not, just because of how bad it gets. You gotta let it out. Okay. The year was 2008. The cursed year. And I'm at home by myself because my parents were actually in the hospital. Both of them? Uh, My father was in the hospital. My mother was staying with them. He was uh, receiving chemotherapy at the time. It's okay. It's wacky chemotherapy. The, 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 The drugs were like different colors. They were rainbow colored. Was Robin Williams there? He was. He honked his nose and you know, made booby jokes. It was hilarious. He tried to do more and the kids beat him to death. <laughs> he was beaten to death by kids in a cancer wing, which is very insulting. <laughs> they used their last remaining strength to kill Robin Williams. Uh, it was it was it was a trip well worth it, I think. The whole time he was making a big sad face and laughing and crying at the same time. Those kids became national heroes. So I was at the house by myself while they were doing that. And for whatever reason, our water was turned off at the time. Now I think about it, this is really fucked up. Why why did they have me alone at the house with no water? So I had been here by myself a couple of days, cooking steady meals of macaroni and eggs. My delicacy. Yeah. So... There by myself, and the water had been turned off that morning. And for reasons that I still don't understand, I get diarrhea. Now, it had nothing to do with the eggs. I think a lot of it had no, to- no, it's a mystery. It's a mystery, Matt. Macaroni. It's a mystery. All right, yeah, sure. One of the many mysteries of the modern world. The diarrhea of James Lewis. I get that, and I run into the bathroom, and we have no toilet paper. One of the great tragedies that every human being must go through at least once in their life. Yes. But I'm in luck because just around the corner, there is a – bringing it back to Family Dollar again – a Family Dollar. Like the nexus of all realities in the South. (laughs) That's where one day we'll be able to meet in a Family Dollar. (laughs) It's the Southern Oasis. (laughs) If you can make it to the Family Dollar, you'll survive. Exactly. Now, whenever you look out my window, you can just barely see the family dollar. So it's not a long walk, but when you're diuretic and 18, it's a trek. So 
I grab up the debit card my sister had left for me the previous day, and I put on my hiking boots and my poncho, and I make the long, sweaty, arduous walk to the family dollar, and I buy the toilet paper. I go up to the counter, and I go to pay for it, and the PIN number for the debit card is not the one my sister wrote down for me. Oh, no. So I'm up there, and I'm sweaty and diuretic, and just, I look like a shifty person at this point. <laughs> I'm clutching the pack of toilet paper. I'm like, my name is James Lewis. I live just down the street. My sister gave me her debit card. If you would please just let me call her. I can, I can, I can make this work, okay? Yeah, we did not have a home phone at the time. We were just using cell phones. So I was incommunicado at this point. You were off the grid once again. <laughs> I think about asking them if I can use their phone, but they are being very frosty to me because they just assume that I've stolen this card. Well, it probably didn't help. Like I said, you were probably like you said, you were sweating rivets, you know. And looked like I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. You probably, you, you, I don't know if you're doing this, but like a lot of times when you try to hold it in, there's this face you make. I'm pretty sure you're probably making that face. Yeah, that's an untrustworthy face. That's the face of a desperate man. Exactly. You're a desperate man with nothing to lose. So I decide, fuck it. I'm just going to go back home and use whatever I have. <laughs> At no point does it occur to me to use the bathroom in the family dollar. Well, I mean... This has not occurred to me until years later. I just imagine you, like, waking up in the middle of the night, my God, <laughs> use the bathroom there all along. I have to warn past James. Hop into my time machine. <laughs> James, it's you from the future. Ah! So, avoiding being startled into diarrhea by my future self, I make the long, arduous trek back to my house. I go into the bathroom and... All I have to use the toilet paper are these uh, patches of white cloth, which I have to cut up with scissors. And I'm just thinking to myself, I have no water at the moment. If I make one wrong move, it's over for me. <laughs> Choose wisely. And if there's an incident, well, then I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> there's no way to come back from that. This is me at my lowest moment. I cannot recall a moment where I've ever felt such despair. And it's like, remember the episode of Breaking Bad where Walt gets maced and thrown to the back of the police car and he's crying and he's got snot running down his face and he's just fallen so far? This is my Breaking Bad moment. I steal myself for this and I take care of the situation and because fate smiled on me that day, it all went flawlessly. Oh, really? Yes. And couple of hours later, one of my family members came to pick me up, and I went to the hospital with my parents that night. I washed myself, and we ordered Pizza Hut pizza and watched Batman Begins. Oh. It became the greatest night of my life. After literally the shittiest day of your life. It was triumph and tragedy all in the same day. It was a fucking emotional roller coaster. You went through the valleys and you climbed the peaks. I climbed through a river of shit and came out on the other side eating pizza. I am the Andy Dufresne of Alabama. Actually, 
it's funny once you started that story. I actually remembered a, not a similar story that happened to me, but it is involved fecal matter and the water being turned off. I'm gonna stop recording. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> but uh, yeah, something like that similar happened to us. Like we got our water cut off. It was supposed to be cut. It was cut off for like a few days at this point, and my father had used the toilet in between while we were waiting. He baffled it. He made the water work. He just punched the meter until it started moving. <laughs> Question. When your dad uses the toilet, does he just punch himself <laughs> in the stomach until it's all out? <laughs> ah, fuck you, digestion. Yes, that's exactly how he does it. You were right about that. You finally realize where all that screaming comes from. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I guess he did the... Uh, the water had been turned off, and uh, I was working at the time. You know, no one else. My, it was the summer. My brother was home from school, and so him and my parents were there together. And uh, like I would, if I had to go, I would wait and go at work. But um, one morning I woke up. I went back, and it was this god awful smell. Horrible. And I looked. And there was shit in the shower. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was one of those sentences you don't expect to hear. It's like a thing that should not be. (laughs) Yada, 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 shit in the shower, you know. Sounds like a weird code word. The shit is in the shower. I repeat, the shit is in the shower. There's been a terrorist attack on our nation. <laughs> shit in the shower is um, Obama's Secret Service nickname. But um, no, it turned out that someone, sometime during the middle of the night, uh, my mother had popped a deuce <laughs> in the shower. Because it was like, oh, God, couldn't you have went outside? Because like, that's what like, my brother... Why didn't she use the toilet? Well, like, the toilet was filled with my father's, you know? <laughs> they, 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 they couldn't... There wasn't a room for a little more? Well, if you'd seen what was in the shower, it wasn't a little more. But like I said, my, my father and my brother were going outside at this point. But my mother, she refused. She wouldn't go outside. She wouldn't. Because she was a lady. Exactly. She was. She was not some common animal. But uh, did she at least aim for the drain? <laughs> because if it was on the other side of the tub, fuck her. Eventually, like, I, what we had to do to end up like getting it out of because you know, no one's going to touch that shit. Literally. Yeah, literally. It just poured like bleach and Clorox in the tub and just run the shower head until eventually it broke down and went down the drain. And this was after the water was turned back on. Yes. So how long did the situation remain there? Uh, about a day, day and a half. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Jesus. But uh, actually... And you took... were never clean again, no matter how many times you showered. Yeah, that's what... I'm kind of glad we moved now. Because I don't think about it because... You just lit that wing of the house on fire. It's unclean now. We will never speak of this again. <laughs> I think we may have to end the podcast now. <laughs> I don't know if anything else can top that. Awesome. I think our news stories that we have for later are as horrifying as that. That was my battle with the shit in the shower. 
God, now I'm just imagining an old comic book cover. Fuck you. Uh, I'm looking in my notes for some kind of segue. <laughs> I did not prepare for shit in the shower. I do not have a shit contingency. I thought you were always prepared. You have what? unraveled the core of below the Bible belt. I have revealed how messed up you really are inside. I've taken you down. I've looked underneath your skin, James. I've looked into your eyes. I've peered into your soul with the story. And I'm found wanting. God. I never didn't think I'd peer at you a second time. So there's that. That actually happened. That was a real thing. <laughs> so changing gears completely. Uh, <laughs> I have no segue for this, so I'm just going to go right into it. Speaking of parents... <laughs> Yeah, my parents were very thrifty. They did not want to spend money if they didn't have to. So they were always looking for free things, if they can find it. Yeah, curiously, there was always money for weed. <laughs> we didn't yeah. always have toilet paper, but there was always weed. Yeah, yeah that, that was kind of a situation, yeah. I, I know that situation very well. It always fascinated me as a kid, because weed was treated like a bill. <laughs> Well, we can, we can let the mortgage go a week. Just make sure we pay a weed bill with Rollo. Actually put the check in the envelope and send it to weed. <laughs> do we make sure that weed gets this before they tell the postman? They do it personally. They drive down to the weed building. <laughs> Headquarters of the Weed Corporation. Just, this is very boring office building. Yeah. And the time we had to send a weed man out to repair our weed was, oof, cost us a fortune. How did he look? Was he like the Maytag man? Or? He was. Just Howdy a... ho, neighbors. I hear your weed is busted. He was dressed like the Maytag man, but he was a white guy with dreads. So. <laughs> he had a soul patch. <laughs> but one story I remember vividly was one night we were driving, like really late at night. And I was maybe eight or nine at the time. And we were behind this truck. And on the back of the truck was a mattress that was strapped down. And we were both going the same way, so we were behind this truck for a while. All of a sudden, the mattress comes loose, flies out like a fucking sugar glider, dodges us, and hits the ground. And I know what your parents are thinking. Right? <laughs> Free fucking mattress, right? Yep. We slam on the brakes. My mother's like, do it, do it, do it, hurry, hurry, hurry. My dad runs out, grabs the mattress, and instead of putting it on top or trying to put it in the trunk, it just goes into the back seat with us. It's like, ooh! Now I think about it, it had to have been a, like a small child-sized mattress if it fit in there. So we get in the car and we drive home, and that night we're sleeping on the mattress. We adopted it. You, you still sleep on that mattress to this day. It's mine now. If you if you get married, the mattress will be your best man. <laughs> he was my only friend. All those nights I was at my house alone eating eggs and macaroni. I talked to him long into the night, tell him my <laughs> secrets. You would prop up and like draw like a face on him. Maddie. <laughs> so a couple of years ago, I was telling the story to my aunt for the first time, and she was absolutely horrified. <laughs> He said, but, what, but that was their mattress. 
Wait, their first instinct wasn't to stop the person and tell them that their mattress had fallen off? And it was a child's mattress. That kid didn't have a mattress because of you people. <laughs> I, had never I had never thought of that. No, no conscious at all, just stealing from people. But though, to be honest, your parents did follow the rules of the road. You know, shit falls off the truck, free game. So. They observed the five-second rule. Exactly. But man, my parents were always doing stuff like that. Like, we stole cable for years. I approve of that because, you know, fuck cable. It's a sham. Cable is like education. It's a sham. <laughs> I remember the morning. My parents woke me up early. I walk into the living room and Alvin and the Chipmunks is on Cartoon Network. I gasp. <gasps> Mom! Dad! Did we get cable? Nope, son. We stole cable. <laughs> now how did they steal it? All I remember is there being, like, a wire underneath the house that had been disconnected, and my dad just went under there and reconnected it. <laughs> awesome. So it's not like, you know, we... Well, no, we still still, still steal cable, but they... Well, no, 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 actually, they weren't really at fault, because, you know, you're not supposed to do that, but... <laughs> cable was enjoyed. Just, just admit you stole it. I didn't steal it, I just enjoyed it. Yeah, so you were a party to it. You were I was an... An accomplice. I they was did, a victim. They did it for your love. I was the Patty Hearst of that family. <laughs> you went by another name. It was, it was weird. James Lewis it was my slave name. That's what you said. You robbed banks with them. You got all kinds James of HBO. <laughs> they indoctrinated me in their cableless ways. It's funny that you mentioned like your parents kind of like crazed on what they were. Because what I was thinking about the other week, about how like we didn't have too much money, it's not really so much with us now that, I mean, obviously it'd help if I had a job. I'm not denying that. But uh, it just seems like we have more of a spending problem, or we don't manage our money well. Because, you know, just buying piddly shit, you know, that's what's always been the problem with uh, with my parents, you know. Your dad and, with his many expensive bats. Yeah, he has a nice collection. Each one splattered in blood. I saw that Macy bought last week. It was top yeah. notch. Excellent yeah. craftsmanship. Yeah, we're not crazy with the spending like some people, but if we could, you know, maybe budget. That's what I told my parents because that's, that's sort of what I've become now. I've sort of become the family accountant, if you will. I, I balance the books. I make sure all the bills are paid. So you're Andy Dufresne. But the only thing is, so I'm like Andrew Frame, but I don't have access to the money. But they'll still keep you from being released because you have their secrets. Exactly. They know, or I know that they've been embezzling. I mean, I understand. I mean, your parents are used to a certain lifestyle. I remember you told me about the day your parents got married. Your father just wrapped your mother in his arms and said, Baby, one day you'll be shitting in a shower made of solid gold. Uh, and she, he still had, he has keep that promise yet he or, will though matt he one day, will one day me my father my mother and my brother will all be able to shit in our own separate shop it'll <laughs> be an entire room just filled with showers <laughs> one for every day of the week <laughs> that is our cold life your mom just leans over into it crying oh we've arrived uh. 
but yeah, like, there's certain things that, uh, like I mentioned with the cars and stuff, uh, one of the downsides to being, you know, poor is that I kind of wish I could have a car, drive a car at least, that was made sometime in this century. Because, I know, like, the truck I drive right now is a 1998 model, but it's got, like, 200,000 miles on it, so it's got some just in. There was this one car I got when we moved down here. It was awesome just because it was... I got this car free. It was a cursed car. Take it! Take it! Charles Manson. You know, he lived in a car for like six months one time. Um, or murdered some people. It has a mind of its own. But it gets good dash mileage, so you're doing all right. Yeah, that's what, it got crazy. It got like 40, 50 miles to the gallon. That's how crazy the gas mileage was on it. But it was uh, a 1990 Ford Festiva. <laughs> but yeah, I, I drove that for, oh, eight months until it finally broke down. That is a sexy pump mobile. It can only, it can only, it topped out at 55 miles an hour. But yeah, like, besides that, there's all the different tricks that you kind of do to keep a car going. Like, uh, I was thinking about my truck like how messed up it is right now even though we got the two new tires on the front uh like the back left tires it gets slack every few weeks i have to put keep putting air in it every so often dashboard doesn't light up there are no lights in the dash so like at night i can't tell how fast i'm going how much gas i got things like that um all that just makes you hornier you're driving at night like oh i can't even see the dashboard i might run out of gas yeah, uh, the door handle on the driver's side doesn't open. Uh, it opens from the inside, but it doesn't open from the outside. Because apparently one time I was pulling the door handle up and it broke. So I have to always leave the door open a little bit, like a little ajar, anytime I get out of it. Or else I have to go all the way around. And, you know, that's that's 30 seconds of my time I'm wasting by, that, by being a chump. <laughs> There's that homeless guy that lives in the trunk. He's a cool guy, though. Truck, he lives in the back. He's got like, a little camper set up. He, him, and like a few others, they've made like their own like mobile uh, Hooverville. <laughs> they, I mean, it's nice to go out on the porch. Uh, they have a fire on the back of the truck, blazing. They, you know, eat beans, sing songs. They entertain you with their hobo tales long into the night. Good times, and it's good when the car breaks down. You got company. And thankfully, though, I mean, I've only been raped like three times by the hobos, so I think it's a fair trade, honestly. You know, it, it all balances out for that kind of entertainment with only three rapes to show for it. Well, that's the hobo way, Matt. Exactly. You know, the hobo code, there's like a hobo code of like a of a guy being another guy over. That means the place is friendly to rape. I was wondering why your car was covered in hobo sigils. <laughs> that's why. Does the pie symbol mean that you'll give them free food, or that you have a sexy mom, or what? The the pie means that uh, there is pie there, but it's a mystery. You have to figure out what uh. in a location. And once you get it, you think, oh, blueberry, peach, cobbler, what is it? And then you get, oh, it's shepherd's pie. And then they all get mad and leave. Even hobos have standards when it comes <laughs> That's what us folk like to call a hobo mystery. <laughs> There's the symbol of a shower on the side. And that you have dumpable washrooms. 
There's a, I forgot what all the hobo code is. It's like one for like a dog or something. That like, you know, there's a dog. It's not really a complex code. No, I think. <laughs> the hobo society needs to come back. That's it what does. you and I need to do. We can do that. Well, that's, that's what we'll do. Blow the Bible Belt, we'll hit the road. We like white people bringing black things back. We'll bring back the hobo life without actually being hobos. We can start another podcast. Hobos before hoes. What do you think? <laughs> we start calling food vittles. <laughs> what you looking at me like that for? I'm bringing it back. As long as we get beans to go with it, I'm fine. Too long has the complex hobo vocabulary been monopolized by actual hobos. Exactly. Maybe I want to wear a top hat with a hole in it sometimes. People got to look at me like I'm some kind of pretender. I want to wear fingerless gloves, okay? To me, that is the shit. And I want to wear a bindle around my back. And don't get me started on the harmonicas. Oh, yes. Oh, the harmonicas. The things that hobos can do with harmonicas. Did I ever told you I saw a hobo one time? Like an actual mythical hobo? Yeah, like, um, I was about eight or nine. Me and my father, we were coming. We went up to a place called Rock Hill, which is close to North Carolina. And uh, we were coming back one day, and we had to stop like a railroad crossing while a railroad train come by. And you could look in the boxcars. Some of the boxcars were open. I saw, like, this when the car went by, there were, like, three dudes sitting in the boxcar. You saw Boxcar Willie? I saw Boxcar Willie. Turns out, he was Mexican. Who knew it? <gasps> but, you know, I was kind of disappointed because they were wearing, like, jeans and t-shirts. and They didn't have none of the raggedy, lovable clothes. Ah, oh, what a fake out. All you saw was a couple of no-bows. Exactly. Faux-bows, as I like to call them. Exactly. Hipster hobos. And no fingerless gloves again. Crush me. <sighs> Lousy posers. Yeah. But, uh, that was, I think that's, yeah, that's the only time I've seen a hobo. I had to think about it because I've seen so many poor people in my life. Every time I looked in the mirror. That turns you into a hobo there. Yeah, thank you. But we've wallowed in our own poverty for far too long. We need to highlight the poverty of others because as you know James charity starts at home so fuck everybody else we need money give us money if you're listening to this please give us money what a perfect time to announce the below the bible belt paypal account exactly we do take confederate money (laughs) we try to but I don't know it should be because the exchange rate is so out of whack these days I think we should only accept spanish doubloons I like that. Smart. Then we can melt down the balloons. From what I understand, they're at the bottom of every lake in every small town. If you listen to the Hardy Boys, I think those kids are just fucked up. But enough about the Hardy Boys, Matt. We discussed them long enough. I think it's time that we take another look at a couple of various items that may or may not come from the South. It came from the soul. I mean, is that okay with you, or... Fuck that. But, I mean, we had stuff planned. I just I just thought... Fuck it. But we have plans. 
Fuck your plants. Okay. Um, an update of our old friend, um, Omar Hamani. A.K.A. the Rappin' Jihadist. Which, uh, Omar Hamami, that's just a fun name to say. I don't care who you are. But apparently, you know, for his, uh, raps, quote-unquote, I was doing air quotes, but, uh, for all his raps and threats towards the American government, apparently the American government is taking it seriously. Because they have offered bounties, a bounty on him and one of his friends from the, you know, the... Islamic Militant Society that they work for in Somalia. A um, member of his own private Wu-Tang clan. Exactly. And what surprises is the amount of the bounty is $5 million. Um, that's not for, you know, capture, kill kind of thing. It's $5 million for the arrest of, of the two men. Apparently, this other guy he's with is an American as well. Um, as you know, Mommy, as he mentioned before, a former resident of Mobile, Alabama, whoop, whoop. Um, who moved to Somalia, Somalia in 2006 and started working for this uh, terrorist organization called Al-Shabaab, which, that sounds like a delicious shish kebab. It really does. I think I might have some Al-Shabaabs tonight. Yeah. But uh, he started working for Al-Shabaab, which is supposed to they have ties to Al-Qaeda because, you know. Al's the name, so I guess that works. It's all ran by a guy named Al. Yeah. It's Al from Happy Days. It's really confusing. Al Del Vecchio is Osama Bin Laden. It was just a patsy that SEAL Team 6 killed. But it's kind of interesting because even though they want this guy's arrest, the Al Shabaab that uh, Hamami was working for, apparently they are beefing, to use a rap term. <laughs> They're east side and west side. Yeah, he said that late last year he had split from the insurgents, who now want to kill him. So he's like the ice cube of the group. And Al-Shabaab is the shoot knight. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, he has a Twitter account when he tweeted about being on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list. And he sounds like a rapper almost. Uh, Amriki, which is his Muslim name, Amriki would like to accept the honor of the most wanted list, and thanks everyone for this honor. Well, I mean, you know, he's humble, right? All right, say that again while I drop a beat. Remix. No, I don't usually do this. I don't mean to be rude. Why are you singing the national anthem? I don't get that. (laughs) But, like I said, the $5 million is out for, you know, any... <laughs> Any information leading to his arrest? So, um, James, uh, I have an idea. Grow out your beard, and we'll pretend that you're him, and then we'll split the five million dollars. You, I mean, I'll probably never see you again. You'd be a get mo for the rest of your life. So, well, that would never work out, Matt, because I can't drop rhymes. <laughs> That's the most integral part of the impression. Well, I mean, you did just come up with a sick beat, though. So, I can do beats. I can't do rhymes. I'm hmm. the Jam Master J, not. The other member of that group. But yeah, like I said, if you see a lanky white guy rapping about Islam, just go ahead and taser him. For several reasons. Um, so I believe you have another news story? Mm-hmm. Um, this is from my home county of Abbeville County. Um, this is from back at the beginning of the month. Um, a man that from my hometown was arrested. 
the guy my father knew in school. He was arrested. Man, he beat mercilessly many times. And with, if the incident report, it, it's serious stuff, but it sounds almost hilarious. Uh, he was arrested for trying to run his son over with a pickup truck. Apparently, the scene he would have witnesses told officers that they saw the man barreling down a ditch in his pickup truck, attempting to run over his son, who was on a bicycle. And I don't know what went on, but uh, this is what got me because it, it seemed very familiar. Uh, after he avoided being hit by a truck, he jumped off his bike. He collapsed in the front yard on the road, at which point the suspect grabbed the boy, dragged him back to the pickup truck. Then the witnesses told officers that they saw the father put the boy in the full Nelson and pull his hair as he dragged him to the <laughs> Is your dad taking hits now? No comment. But boy was all right, and this guy was, you know, properly arrested for like cruelty to children, aggravated hair pulling. Here's a picture of him to get you a good idea of what we're dealing with. <laughs> it looks like he's seen the error of his ways. What have I done, dude? That is, yeah, that's like they they took the photo at the right time, just as he was, you know, just as he saw the light. Exactly. Because right after that, he looked up, Mother of God, as what he would have said next. He cried a single tear. <laughs> but um, that was just, like I said, one news item to mention in brief. I mostly missed it because I saw the hair pulling thing. Here's what I think. I think your dad has opened up dojos all across America where he teaches his own particular style of dirty fighting. Uh so that's why that guy's making that expression. That's seconds before he opens up a cyanide capsule hidden in one of his teeth. Because he will not betray your father's secrets. My father has no version of the Foot Clan, you're right. Cut off ahead, two more shall take its place. Hail Johnson! Uh. <laughs> but speaking of Johnson, I have a particular news story. I'll do you now. And I'm not going to bury the lead on this. I'm just going to go right to the headline. What did you use in the fancy journalism term? Man caught having sex with horse was, quote, trying to make it pregnant. So our old friends back in the news. It's an update, right? Uh, shockingly, no. This is an American epidemic, apparently. I'm just going to go ahead and send you the muck shot because I want you to have this man's face in your head. <laughs> while I describe the rest of this. Wow. I, I've never felt dirty by looking at a mugshot. <laughs> it just looks like he's fucking you with his eyes. Yeah, I'm gonna make a man Johnson, baby. <laughs> Texan Andrew Mendoza. Mendoza! Sorry. Confessed he, quote, messed <laughs> with his neighbor's horse. After he was stood up by his girlfriend. Well, I can't imagine why she wouldn't want to go with a fine, upstanding citizen like that. I understand being stood up, but if your next step is to go fuck a horse, then yeah, like you said, maybe there is a reason that this guy would stood up. It gets worse. The 29-year-old told cops, I was at my house waiting for my girlfriend to call. I told myself that if she didn't call me, I was going to go next door and mess with a neighbor's horse. 
<laughs> so that was the, that was the ultimatum he had. I mean, I, I know, like, you know, relationships have all kinds of, you know, uh, you know, up here I'm leaving you. But I wonder if there's ever been, I, well, there's no one person we know of, but say, look, you'll come here right now. I'm going to go fuck this horse, all right? Don't play these games with me, Andrew. <laughs> what would he have done if she did come? I was going to just go on the date and then back of his head to be thinking, you know, I was this close to fucking a horse. What he would do is after he would like let her out, he would look over at the horse there for both of the grace of God. <laughs> That's why he's making love to her later that night. It's like, oh, this is so much better than that horse. What? Nothing. Who wants a carrot? Do you want a carrot and some oats? Who's a good girl? Like, I'm a single guy, but I've never once thought, man, if I can't get laid tonight, I'm just going to go fuck an animal. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, uh, no, I, no, I, uh, I haven't been there. I don't think so. No, mm-mm. I mean, when you've put that much thought into it, your girlfriend standing you up is just an excuse. Exactly. It's like, you know, that and like, to me, this is almost a worse excuse than the baby deer one. <laughs> you know, that guy was just standing beside the horse the whole night with his cell phone. Like, I sure hope my girlfriend comes here, so... I don't have to get any of this sweet, sweet horse pussy. Yeah, please, hurry up, girlfriend, and call me. Oh, I've turned my phone off. <laughs> I guess I've got no choice other than to have sweet, sweet sex with this horse. Oh, that's just the way the ball bounces. Now, after describing in detail his sexual escapade, Mendoza stunned officers in Wharton County by claiming... He was trying to impregnate the animal. Well, here's what I want to know. How did he get caught? Because he was having sex with a horse while screaming, I'm gonna make a baby! <laughs> he said, and this is a quote, I was trying to make the horse have a baby. I was thinking it would have a horse man baby. <laughs> If I make a baby, then that horse baby will love me and never stand me up. Plus, he'd have free rides to the store. <laughs> Tonight is more than just the loss of my animal virginity. It's the siring of man horse, the horse that walks like a man. And that was his bona fide excuse. <laughs> Okay, it goes on to say, Mendoza later pleaded guilty to public lewdness, wow, and criminal trespass, and was sentenced to four months in jail. So apparently it is kind of semi-illegal to fuck a horse in Texas. He was only arrested for public lewdness, not for bestiality or animal cruelty. So he was only arrested for screaming, Man horse, the horse that walks like a man! And spent four months in jail. I wonder how that went in jail. Like, everybody knew what he did. What are you in here for? I robbed a bank. What are you in for? Murder. What are you in for? I created a new form of life. Life. I guess. I'm pretty sure there were plenty of men in jail with him trying to make a man-man. <laughs> the whole time he was being on the bar saying, Save me, man-horse! 
The horse that walks like a man. <laughs> so how would the man horse look? Obviously, it wouldn't be a centaur because it quotes walks like a man. So <laughs> what, just like, I just I just imagine him looking like Mr. Horse from Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> no, sir. I don't like this bestiality. Also, he wears a cape. Man horse with the MS on it. Yes. Just the symbol of oats on his chest. So he just wanted a protector. I mean, making sweet, beautiful horse love was just a means to an end. But here's the thing, though. It was revealed that that horse was actually a guy. All this hard work and love making for nothing. You will remain but a dream, man horse. You will call me crazy, but I am an innovator. The horse that walks like a man. I do not bring madness, I bring the future. A future where horse and man can live side by side and create a better world. How, how long was it, how old is this story, is it new? Uh, from February. So he's still got... Two more months of hard time before he can get back out there to work on the man horse. And resume his experiments. Exactly. Next up, man chicken. <laughs> chicken that bops like a man. He's like the Herbert West of the South. I'll say more like uh, Dr. Moreau, but that's just me. <laughs> I'm just imagining a scene. They barge into his lab. He's fucking a rat. <laughs> uh, you're committing bestiality. No, I'm giving him life. And come, <laughs> sweet, sweet come. And on that note, <laughs> so Matt, do you think we've discussed poverty and all of its implications? I think we've discussed some things. I think it was more appropriate because um, with this being sort of, I wouldn't say this is the landmark episode, but this is actually what the official start of Blow the Bible Belt Year Two. <laughs> I think it was a good note to kick things off on. Yes, what episode will be going up on our one-year anniversary? <laughs> and this is how we commemorate it. Exactly. With our, with our internal mics and our shit stories. Literally. So, until the South rises again, I have been unemployed. I've been still unemployed. And you've just been below the poverty line. I think I need to go because um, my stomach's starting to rumble and I need to go to the shower. So, Jake. Like the... um, Don't you fucking interrupt me. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? I apologize. <laughs> I apologize profusely, sir. Please don't, 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 don't put me in the shed. Not again. I can't take that. You know your place, Johnson. Yes, sir. I do.